Here we are. <coughs> Good morning, church. My name is Cus Pretorius. I'm a member of this church, and I'll be bringing this word today with my wife, Stella, who would be joining me <laughs> shortly. Um, this jock, John 11.35, Jesus wept. So never feel <laughs> embarrassed uh, if there's a bit of an emotional moment, especially with a story like that. Um, the past two weeks, you would recall Jock um, preached about the helper, <clears throat> and the first message was, um, who is the helper? Uh, the Holy Spirit, the different um, aspects in which um, he would assist people to be brave and so on. And then last week he spoke about baptism in the Holy Spirit um, and called afterwards for people to be baptized in the Spirit and to, to receive the gift of tongues. Um, and on my count there were about nine or ten people who who um, came forward and to receive prayer. So today, we're continuing with that. Um, the title of the sermon is The Helper uh, Number Three. Um, sorry, I just need to check the time here. And what we want to do is we want to look at the helper from a more practical point of view. Um, how does he help us in our day-to-day -day walk? But before we get there, I just want to very briefly look at the Holy Spirit. Just go and, and see who are we actually talking about? Where do we find reference to him in, in scriptures and so on? And then link that with, as I said, a more practical um, aspect of it, and that's where Stella is going to come in. So, first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? Where, when was the Holy Spirit born? When was the Holy Spirit, um, when did he come into to existence? Was it um, at the outpouring? Last, last Sunday was, was the Pentecost Sunday, uh, where we saw how the Holy Spirit was poured out. So was it then? Did the Holy Spirit come into existence, into being, on the day of Pentecost? Certainly not, because you remember that when Jesus was baptized, we read that the Spirit came down like a dove and rested on him, the Holy Spirit. But we also read in, in um, the beginning of the New Testament, actually in Luke 1, that um, as far as John the Baptist is concerned, the Lord spoke to, to Elizabeth and said that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit right from birth. Um, we also read later in the same chapter that when Elizabeth went to visit her um, niece, Mary, after she, she heard that Mary was, was pregnant, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the child in her moved when he heard Mary's um, greeting. So, right from the very first chapter of, this, of the New Testament, we read about the Holy Spirit. So, is that when the Holy Spirit um, came to play a part, or was it earlier? Well, let's jump right to the beginning. Let's jump to the very first um, chapter of the Bible, in Genesis 1, the second verse, we read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That was even before the earth was formed, before the earth had a physical form. The Spirit of God was already hovering over the earth. We read um, in the 26th verse that the Lord says, or said, let us make man in our image. Who was he talking about? He was talking about the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. Because, remember, um, 
in, I think it's John, John 1, we read that the Word was there in the beginning, and the Word became flesh. So, right from the beginning, the Word was there, the Spirit was hovering, and God said, let us. So, the Spirit that is referred to in the New Testament, the question is then, is that the same Spirit that we read about in the Old Testament? I looked up in the Strong's Concordance and I could find three references to the term Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The one is, first one is in, in um, Psalms 51, and that was uh, a very powerful psalm by David, just after the prophet came to him, uh, Nathan, and he spoke to him, and, and David realized, was convicted of the sin that he committed with, with uh, Bathsheba and her husband. And he, he cried out, and he said, don't cast me from your presence, don't let your Holy Spirit depart from me. Um, and I want you to, to keep in mind, we'll get to this later, but that the, word, uh, the use of the word presence and the Holy Spirit in the same sentence. The second occasion is found in Isaiah 63, uh, where Isaiah says in verses 10 and 11, um, yet they rebelled and grieved the Holy Spirit. And later, where is he who set his Holy Spirit amongst them? The rest of the time um, in the Old Testament, reference is made to the Spirit, to his Spirit, to God's Spirit, or to my Spirit. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He never changes. Therefore, I submit to you that uh, the Spirit that hovered is the same Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. The same Spirit that is here with us today. Now, Jesus said in John 14, um, if we can perhaps have that slide, John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father that he will give you. Note that he's asking the Father. Jesus is not giving the, the helper. He's asking the Father to give us the helper. Amplified says, um, helper, comforter, the advocate, intercessor, strengthener, stand by to be with you forever. Now, Jacques had a look at all those um, different words and, and meanings. Can you go to the next slide? And I just briefly want to, to give some explanation for those words. And that I found from the Cambridge Dictionary. A counselor is someone who gives counsel, who advises, who gives guidance. A helper is someone who assists, who helps, who supports, who partners with, who collaborates with. And a comforter is someone who comforts, who consoles. An advocate is someone who defends, who pleads on behalf of, who represents, who argues for someone else. An intercessor is someone who intercedes, mediates, negotiates on behalf of someone else. And a strengther is someone who provides support or emotional strength. And a standby is a beautiful one, someone who is always ready if the other one fails. So just if we look at the Helper, if we look at the Holy Spirit, when Jesus said, and certain uh, um, translations use other words, um, the one I read from was the ESV, who used the word Helper. But some of these other words are, are used by other um, translations. That is what the Holy Spirit is to us. All of that. What took place on the day of Pentecost. If you can just briefly, again, look at that scripture from Acts 2, verse 1. Can we have the next slide? 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, the sound like a blowing, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit entitled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing God Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, now this is Jews from every nation. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken in bewilderment. So it was, what is going on here? Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked of one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, saying, they've had too much wine. Um, the Amplified says, they're full of sweet wine and are drunk. So, what we see here is that something happened which these people have never seen or experienced before. To the extent that they thought, some of them thought the people were drunk. So there was more than just speaking in tongues. There were other manifestations which have, would have led some of them to think that um, the people were drunk. But importantly, what was the effect of this, of this outpouring? What happened? We saw, for instance, Peter, who 50 days earlier um, was too scared to admit that he knew the Lord, even to a little girl. <coughs> he got up and he gave that amazing sermon where 3,000 people was joined to the, to the church. We saw other people preaching the gospel bravely. Um, miracles were performed by, by Stephen. Stephen, when he was um, tried, he was tried in the synagogue, and Stephen was a normal man. And what is, was said in Acts 6, 9 to 10, when he was seized, members of the synagogue, so learned people, learned in the law, argued with him, but could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. So the spirit brought boldness, gave people boldness, gave people wisdom, gave people courage. Um, help people to perform signs and wonders and miracles. People brought the sick to the streets so that if Peter walks by and his shadow falls on the sick, they would get healed. So miracles and wonders, but also that faith that you say it is good enough for the shadow of that person to fall on the sick, he would be healed. Um, we see how the spirit was spread. There was um, the Ethiopian minister of finance who was filled with the spirit and the gospel was spread into, into Africa and all other parts. Um, and specifically, uh, Gentiles from Caesarea, we read in Acts 10.44, which was a major port um, which was used by the Roman Empire. They received the Holy Spirit and they started to speaking in tongues, praising God before they were baptized in water. Now, Jacques dealt with that last week as to the different baptisms. 
and the way in which it normally happens. But we serve the Almighty God, um, who is not restricted by specific um, a specific order in which things would happen. So here we see that people received the spirit of uh, the, the gift of tongues even before they were baptized in um, water. And I'll get back to that point later. Now, <clears throat> that is what happened in the New Testament after the um, Spirit was brought out on the day of Pentecost. What do we read about the Spirit in the Old Testament? You can give us the next slide. In Exodus 35, 30 to 36, 1, this is an amazing scripture. Then Moses said to the Israelites, and here Jock laughed at my pronunciation of some of the names earlier. Here, you're going to see me battle. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanships. And he has given both him and all of globe, <laughs> son of Abraham, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and weavers of all of them master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, all of them, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary or to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. So here, chosen people were filled with the Spirit and given possibly every skill, every craft um, on earth. This was at the time that the tabernacle, uh, the tabernacle had to be designed with all the items that were found in, in the tabernacle. Remember, these people came as slaves out of Egypt. They were cutting stones into square blocks and building, and, and, and they were general laborers. And then they were in the, in the desert. And all of a sudden, they made a tent to house the presence of the Lord. Um, from beautiful linen and materials, and they crafted all the other um, things that, that were found in, in the tabernacle, from gold and silver and bronze and wood and so on. How did they do it? Because they received the Spirit of the Lord that empowered them to do that. In Chronicles 28, um, 12, we read about David who gave his son, Solomon, the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind, in David's mind, for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the tre treasuries of the temple of God and for all the treasuries of and the dedicated things. Again, this is when the temple was to be built, and the Lord said to David, you shall not build the temple, your son shall, but he gave him the power, the wisdom of an architect. David was a warrior. All of a sudden, he becomes a designer, and he starts drawing pictures of how the temple should look like. Uh, Deuteronomy, now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. In Daniel, we read that Belshazzar said to Daniel, I have heard that the spirit of the gods is on you. Now, we know which spirit and which god it was. Belshazzar didn't. And that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. 
And then Micha said, but as for me, I'm filled with the power, with the spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob its transgressions and to Israel its sins. So we see here um, that different giftings were given to people in the Old Testament. And that then raises the question to me as to if the Holy Spirit existed right from the beginning, and if the Holy Spirit was poured on people and empowered people in the Old Testament, what is, what is the whole thing about the Day of Pentecost? Why do we celebrate the Day of Pentecost then, if it's always been there, if it's always helped people? Well, this is it. The Lord said in um, the next slide, Joel, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on your servants, both men and women. Isaiah, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. <coughs> Again in Isaiah 59. <coughs> my spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children, from the mouths of the descendants, from this time and forever. Um, <coughs> in the Old Testament, we see, apart from, and you'll, rem you'll recall that um, in that scripture from Exod of Exodus, I underlined the word chosen. There were instances like with those people with their unpronounceable names that were given the spirit to perform all, all the crafts and so on. But apart from that, we'll see in the Old Testament that the spirit was poured out on uh, priests and prophets, leaders, kings, and so on. <coughs> so, if we can bring it into context, I must tell you where I am. Into context in this church, let's say, for instance, um, we were living in those days, in the days before Pentecost. And in this church, I don't know, Jacques or Jenny, someone's the high priest. <laughs> Which one? Jacques is taller, he's the high priest. <laughs> Jenny is a priest. Um, let's say, Dokozo is a. Uh, prophet and a wonke is, do you want to be a prophet or a priest? Where are you? <laughs> they, a wonke wants to be a prophet, okay. So they would receive or the, the spirit would be poured out upon them as the leaders. Um, and they would guide us with the wisdom and the giftings which they receive. The day of Pentecost, it was poured out on everyone. So me and you, all of us, would have exactly the same as the high priest. But it even it goes further because we, as we sit here, South Africans, Zimbabweans, what, which other countries, uh, Botswana, and so on, we are Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're not Israelites. Day of Pentecost, I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Come on. Men and women. Um, everyone. And everyone will receive all the benefits that go from that. All the giftings. And that is why Pentecost is so important. Um, I want to, before I call upon Stella, just give a short testimony of, of my introduction to the Holy Spirit. Last year, Pentecost Sunday, I, I preached on, on the day of Pentecost. 
uh, it was titled 50 days later and then afterwards Stella said it's good but you should have given your your testimony um, and again when when we spoke about today she said give your testimony so let me if those of you who've heard it before I apologize I know it's sometimes if you hear something for the 50th time you kind of get the story better than the guy who's telling it um, <coughs> but I believe the Lord wants me to tell it and He's the one that never leaves the one behind. Jesus is the one who would leave 99 sheep just to go and look for the one lost sheep. So maybe if there's one person who would be blessed by that, then the Lord would be fine with it. Um, we grew up in, Stella and I both, in the traditional church where the Holy Spirit is acknowledged. <coughs> Thank you. Holy Spirit is acknowledged and recognized, but not spoken of that often. Um, the, it, the church that, that we served in, and we were in leadership position at the time, um, it was once on a, in a Sunday evening discussion in church asked about um, speaking in tongues and so on, and the, the leader said, if someone would be speaking in tongues, in a meeting, I would quiet him or her. And he referred to a passage, I'm not going to go there, of Paul and so on, and it's all about interpretation and so on. He, his belief, based on how he understands the word, is that um, that word may not be encouraging to the whole um, service and, and so on. Um, and also, if you were to have yourself baptized as, as an adult, apart from the sprinkling we had as, as children, then you would either be excommunicated or get very close to, to excommunication if you um, apologize and confess and so on. And, things. and that is really how it was. And I'm not, I'm not here to, to judge. I'm just telling you the facts as they were. Personally, I found it extremely difficult to, well, I couldn't, in a service, lift my hands. We then, on, from time to time, went to service of more um, spirit-filled churches, and there would be bands. The whole thing with drum, drums and guitars, I couldn't understand that, but I couldn't do that. It was just not within the culture in which I was brought up. So we... In the end of 93, beginning of 94, a church um, was established in Peter Mansburg by a pastor who led a Zulu church in Edendale, a pastor who had an English-speaking church in Peter Mansburg, and someone who had an Afrikaans-speaking church in Peter Mansburg. And the three of them got together. They were, blood, they were brothers, the three. So they got together and they brought their churches together and started a multiracial church in South Africa before the elections and so on. And Stella knew some of the ladies, went to one or two of their prayer meetings, and we were, uh, they then had prayer meetings leading up to the election from January of 94 in the evening, Sunday evenings. And we went there, and the very first prayer meeting that I walked in, I met a guy called Dr. Brian Andrews. Um, and for the first time, I saw someone having a conversation with God. He was actually, he wasn't praying as I was accustomed to pray. He was talking, and then he was listening, and then he was talking, and there was a conversation, and I've never seen that before. And that was just amazing. We continued to, to attend the um, prayer meetings for the election, but also served in the church in which we were. And then one day someone phoned Stella and said to her, there's this city in Canada called Toronto, and the Holy Spirit was poured out there, and people, funny things started happening. People acted as if they were drunk. Remember I said, I'll get back to the seemed as if they were drunk. They were ro they're roaring like lions, they're crying, they're rolling on the floor, they're laughing, and so on, falling over, and that happened in our church last Sunday. 
it's now the church where we would go to for prayer meetings. It happened there. And Stella said, let's go and check it out. And I decided to, to agree, and we went. Um, and it was complete chaos. Um, people, there was an open area in front of the church where during worship people would stand and dance. And um, there were lots of people and, and some praying for them. And people were falling over. They were laughing. They were, um, and I thought that this is just some show that's being put up. Obviously, that guy who prays is just pushing them over, all over, and then, you know, everyone um, just plays along. So I wanted to check it out. Now, remember at this stage, and that's why I gave you the background, I can't lift my hands in worship it, because it's not within my culture, my bro- the way I was brought up. So these things are happening, and I must... What's the time? These things are happening. And so I walk up and I go and stand on the side so that I can see what is happening. I can see him pushing them over because if you sit at the back, you can't see someone being pushed over. So as I went and I stood there, the guy went and he lifted up his hand to pray for someone. And that was probably about that distance from the person's head. And as he lifted his hand, that person fell over. And I thought, okay, that wasn't pushing. And then he turned to someone else and he went, not even hard, he just, and that person fell over. I had the wisdom at that stage to realize that if something is not from God, it's from the enemy. There's no gray area in between. It's either from God or from the enemy. And and. I thank the Lord for that because I realized that I can't judge this. I can't say it's from the enemy because if it's not from the enemy, then I would be committing sin against the Holy Spirit. If I say, if it's the Holy Spirit, but I say it's from the enemy. So I've got to get my story right. I've got to make sure. So I said, Lord, I'm going to give you one chance to prove to me that you're right. That, sorry, that it's you. So I'm going to go up for prayer, and you're going to show me if it's you. And I went up, I stood there, and a boy, aged 12 years, walked up to me, wanting to pray for me. And I said, Lord, you, you didn't hear me. I said, I'll give you one chance. Because you see, I thought Brian Andrews, the main dude, is going to come. Brian Andrews is, because the Lord knows, he's got it. He's got to use whatever he can to convince me. <laughs> He's going to send Brian. And this boy walks up. And, and I want to say to the boy, wait, wait, go, go and call Uncle Brian. But what can I do? The boy said, can I pray for you? He said, okay. He lifted up his hand. He wanted to start praying. He said, Jesus, as part of the opening of his prayer. As he said, Jesus, I fell about a meter, three feet from him onto my back. I was like that, onto my back. And I was, people would think I was out, but I sensed a joy and a peace and emotions which I've never, ever felt before. I was out for a couple of hours. I was, Stella Yelof was, I think, about, uh, eldest was about 18 months old. They then helped me up. I was drunk. Stella had to drive us home. We got home. They helped me out of the car. They sat me at the dining room table, and I would sit like this. <laughs> Couldn't control my body. I would, just, I would just sit there, and then at some stage, Stella would say to me, just, just tell us what happened? And then if she, just that thought would just let me fall on the floor again. And it went on like that. Um, so that is how the Holy Spirit convinced me that there is more. There is more. That he is really, he wants to be involved in our, our lives. There's a lot of what flowed from that, the fruits, and Stella's going to speak about that now. Um, but 
I just want to say, after that, we had, um, we had Holy Spirit meetings. That was the Sunday. The Tuesday, I met with the leader of the church in which we were serving, and I said to him, sorry, we've got to go. I've got to resign. We've got to... And he still said to me, what I don't understand is if you think you found the light, why do you go away? Why don't you stay and share it? And I said, no, I haven't found it. I've seen a bit of it. I've got to go and... Anyway, so I asked them to bless me and release me. They blessed and released after talk and so on. And the Sunday we were part of that other church. We had Holy Spirit meetings on Wednesday evenings um, and Sundays and um, just to we were just being filled with the Spirit all the time and um, the amazing things that happened. It's, it's just amazing. Another thing that I just have to say before Stella, you can come up in the meantime. Um, I said that the order that the people in Caesarea who were received the gift of tongues before they were baptized. Um, about these events took place in about July of 94. So in 95, in March, one of the other leaders in that church invited us over for a bride after church. Pedro is his name. And we arrived there, we were young in the church, and it's only us and them thought what was going on. So we had a very nice bride. And then afterwards he said to me, okay, guys, so when are you guys going to get baptized? And I said, no, it's not necessary. We were baptized when we were babies and so on. It's really not necessary. And so on. But I think you should consider to get baptized. Oh, no, it's not necessary. He said, okay. Um, yeah, he gave me couple of pages, eight, four pages like this, probably about five or ten pages, with scriptures on. He said, just go read this. Just go read it and pray about it. And, um, you know, if, if you then feel that the Lord, that you don't have to be baptized, it's fine. We'll accept it. So I said, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And I put the piece of paper in my study somewhere or whatever. And the, Tuesday evening, I thought, well, maybe I should be obedient and just read it so that I can say to him, I have read it, and yes, it's not for, it's, it's really not necessary, it's not for us, and so on. So, and it was just scriptures and scriptures and scriptures. So, I just decided, well, random, open up, look at, and the first scripture I saw was, let me have the next slide. Acts 22, 16, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up and... Okay, you was good, huh? <laughs> God definitely has a sense of humor, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the practical one. So I've been set up, I think, since I was born to have a powerful life. I just, you know, I, I just couldn't settle for, what's the word, mediocrity? Okay. So I grew up in the Bundus up there. And um, so same as Cuts, grew up in an environment where Holy Spirit didn't really feature. I know about one guy that was born again. In all my years, I lived in that environment. Um, but people were good people. They just never tasted the presence of God, and which was so sad. Um, I, I got saved um, 
1990, I think, um, I was at a craft market and a friend of mine who had a good or had a big effect on, on me as a student, um, we bumped into each other at the craft market and she said, how are you doing? I said, no, I'm fine, sort of struggling with this married life, um, battling, you know, one has to adapt quite a bit with being married. And she says, why don't you join me? There's this amazing um, marriage enrichment course called um, Renewing Love on Thursday evenings. Why don't you join me? I said, yeah, sure. I was desperate. And um, so I went to this course, and it was really very informative. And the woman who was leading it was praying in tongues, so I'm like checking her out, not sure is this what the heck. And um, so by the second... Um, lesson it was the lesson was about bitterness and forgiveness and I mean I could write, write a book on those things you know um, so she looked at me and she said you um, I want you to stay after the lesson help <laughs> so I stayed after the lesson and I had this amazing supernatural encounter that night um, it was just like I could I had visions, she had words of knowledge, she prophesied. All these things happened to me in a few hours. Um, and I wasn't filled with the spirit or baptized or, or anything. It was just, this is the way that I'm going to work with you. It wasn't an intellectual um, argument about the Bible or my sin or anything. It was just really, I know you, Stella, and I see you. And I have seen you your whole life. And that was just amazing. And I was hooked. It was powerful. It was amazing. So, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not as organized as Cass is when it comes to papers. <laughs> so, when it, it is interesting. Um, when Cass came to Peter Marisburg, I was um, still in in Bloemfontein for about a month. And um, I don't know how it happened. I w was invited to go to this Bible study, and I met this woman, Hetty Dreyer, there. And we were chatting, and, and I said, oh, I'm moving to Peter and Maritzburg. And she said, oh, my husband and I run a church in Peter Maritzburg. How's that? The world's really a little town for God now. He moves Peter, people just around so that you can meet the, meet the right person when you land up in a place you know one woman. That was Hetty Dreyer. Pete Dreyer, who was, they were the leaders of one of the Afrikaans um, church that um, joined PCF. And so immediately I had a link when I came here and I went to this other happy clappy Bible group, Bible study group, <laughs> undercover in the week. You know, so the other ladies doesn't know. And, um, and they were the ladies that really taught me a lot. And one of them were the lady that invited us to go to the Toronto Blessing meetings. So we were set up for, for great adventures. Um, I, um, when, when I experienced this crazy outpouring of the Spirit, I was so happy because I knew all along that there had to be more. I cannot be satisfied. I cannot have a long-distance relationship with God. I was made for a passionate love affair with God. And I knew I cannot have... It, it felt like I'm writing letters to God, and it doesn't mean... It's just words on paper. And I read the Bible, and I don't understand half of what I'm reading. And, um, and suddenly I knew, ha, this is the love affair I wanted. Now I know. So um, I was really just desperate for more of God. There had to be passion. There had to be power. I need somebody that's much bigger than me, cleverer than me, um, who can move the world for me <laughs> if he has to, you know? Really, I think a lot of people just get so despondent is that the word about their spiritual journey because they feel like they're going nowhere. Um, and God really taught me a lot. And I think one of the big journeys I personally was on was about a, as a parent. How am I going 
give our children this passion. And the only thing for you who have kids, the only thing that you can help your children to be passionate about God is to be passionate yourself and to pursue God and take your kids with you everywhere. You teach them to lift up their hands when they worship. You teach them how to pray for people. You show them where to touch and where not to touch. You show them everything and you teach them everything. Because the passion in your heart will ignite the passion in their hearts. You prepare them. And this is a very good example from King David and Solomon. Where, where David wanted his son to do the thing, build the temple. And God said, wait. You will prepare things for him and him. So David was preparing his son, but he was also preparing all the raw materials and the plans that they needed to build the temple. And God gave me this picture of a, a ceramic pot. And he said, we're going to fill this pot with... Um, you're going to show your children how to minister and how to be an effective Christian by teaching them how to do things. But I am going to fill that pot with my spirit. Your children, each one, is, is a vessel. And you have built them strong. You've given them all the skills. But I will fill them, and they will fulfill their destiny. Um, So when, just my, my side of the first encounter. Um, so when, when Cass was out for three hours on the floor that first Sunday at the Toronto Blessing Outpouring, um, I realized that God's unseen hand was busy healing and operating and restoring his children in a, day, in a way that they would never volunteer for. Because it was completely out of your out of your everything to know what was going to happen and even when people were lying there we had no idea what god was doing on the inside and it was beautiful to hear how god has healed wounds that people have had for many many years in an instant and it was also as if god was unlocking his children's emotions that was held captive we were free to be loud and to dance and jump and scream and sing loudly. The fun side of God was introduced on that day. It was so awesome. After two or three hours on the floor, Cus could, could barely speak, walk or drive home. And he was drunk, seriously drunk. Um, and what happened to me? I was crying every Sunday right through. Every meeting, I sit there sobbing my eyes out, and I had no clue why. And everybody came to me and said, oh, we'll pray for you. What's wrong? I said, I'm happy. I'm crying, but I'm happy. I'm in heaven, actually. <laughs> so, so Yellow and I, our oldest son, the little baby was a, like, like, 18 months, two years old, and he would then shuffle on our bums on the floor between all the people that, um, that were lying out there in the spirit. So we would just lay hands on them and pray for them, and I was teaching them all the stuff. And, um, and he would just copy whatever sounds I was making. He was just copying, and that's how kids learn to speak in tongues. They try and copy what we're saying. And then one day they get their own one. Um, Okay, so um, God at work. A few years ago, I read a book. I think it's a book from Michael Brudier. And it spoke about the one billion soul harvest that's coming in our lifetime. How many of you have heard about it? Okay, now, now that's, that's my favorite type of prophecies. It means that in a, in a church where we are maybe 120 members, that in a church like ours, when that revival hits us, we might be 20,000 members in a month or two. 
So how on earth will we cope? We will cope because we have a teacher, we have a helper, we have a standby, we have an advocate, we have Holy Spirit who will allow each one of us to become a pastor, a worship leader, can lead a Bible study, everything. Because we tend to think, oh, you know, Gus looks like he can preach, he's doing it well. Now, but what about Zinzi? Zinzi, shouldn't you be preaching too? And suddenly, I realized that everybody in the church should be taught intentionally to do everything. Because that's how each one of us would be able to lead a small group at home, do missions, do worship, whichever way we can all play a, a type of oh, a CD. It's called CDs. <laughs> do YouTube. I don't know how to get there. But anyway, so you, <laughs> you get the, the message is that we can all, we should all be equipped to run a church. If we want the world to, to know Jesus, then you and I will have to serve maybe a few hundred people. And that's so exciting. And that's what I do at my business. I, my permanent staff, I put it in the um, contracts that they will lead devotions once in a while, that they will pray for people who are sick, that they will communicate when they really in a bad place and that we will pray for each other. We expect um, Holy Spirit to be at work every day. And, um, and we have tried to, to really teach everybody to do the few that we are, to, to read the Bible, to study, to talk, to share your story. I think that's probably the most powerful thing is when we sh share our stories. Um, God was so gracious that when I moved here from Bloemfontein, um, I started, I worked with my sister for a, for a few years. We had a fabric painting business. And then I went to Project Gateway. Who of you know about Project Gateway? It was just started then. Um, and I, I went there to just go and check out if I could move, maybe move my business there because at last I, I met people who care about the poor. And um, I've been passionate about helping people who have nothing or who don't believe in themselves or don't have skills. And I have skills. I have lots of skills um, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. Um, so the first day I went to Project Gateway, um, Yellow fell off a massive wall and cut his head open and was bleeding terribly. And I just grabbed him and I said, wait, let me take him to the doctor. And Pedro came out of his office and he said, no, we have to pray first. I'm like rolling my eyes, you know, like stitches, you know. We'll also stop the, the bleeding. And he just walked up to Yellow and he put his hand on his head and he said, stop the bleeding, Lord. Stop bleeding like this. I needed to learn that now. So he was quiet, he didn't cry, he was peaceful, I strapped him in his seat and I drove to the doctor's rooms and they put stitches in and I thought, yo, this was a good lesson that I've learned today. And, and I thought, I want to work around people like this, people who first pray and then do the other things. And... Um, and I promised myself that that's the type of business I want to have, where we pray first, um, and then we, we do the stuff that we can do. Um, and at Project Gateway, I, I met a lot of really interesting missionary people that have served God for years and years and years. And... Um, and learned a lot from them, their compassion and the way that they were serving everybody and anybody who had any needs. Um, and, and I thought, you know, this is how we grow the kingdom of God, by loving one person at a time and learning to see and connect with the person behind the mental illness, the homelessness, the illiteracy, the unwanted pregnancy, the prison bars, the domestic abuse, 
the desperation for love and acceptance, the joblessness, the hunger, the sickness, and the rejection. Look out for the heart and soul that Jesus died for. And it's important sometimes to expose ourselves and our children to people who have nothing, and people who smell bad, and people who haven't had food for weeks. Um, it's important that we do things intentionally with our children to show, to show them that they, they, are, they are people who really are in need. Um, one day we, we found a guy lying, he was in hospital clothes, and, but he was lying half in the street, half on the pavement just outside Project Gateway. And, and I, I immediately stopped and said, Yerof, come, we need to take this guy out of the road. And he said, sure. And we picked up his legs and we moved him onto the pavement and I phoned the police. And I said, there's a guy lying here. Please send the ambulance or somebody come and, and, and pick him up. And, um, and other people that I knew literally walked past and stepped over this guy and just walked away. And I'm like, how can you do that? He's probably drunk. No, he's not drunk. He's sick. Um, so the ambulance came and they fetched him and they took him back to hospital. So that made an impression on my son that he can, he can help to make life a little bit better for somebody. All you need to do is to stop, get out of your car, and get your hands dirty and make a call. Um, so... So by this time, we, we've been serious Holy Spirit junkies. We, um, our kids were seriously infected. They didn't find youth meetings very exciting unless Holy Spirit pitched up. Only then it was a party. Um, and um, I met Jock and Jenny for the first time in PE, no, East London, when I took my kids out of school, all of them. I think Elof was in matric. And um, we drove down to East London because we're going on a healing conference. <laughs> and it was amazing. Um, although the Bethel people couldn't come, but our people, our Bethel people stepped in and filled the gap, the gap and they did it very well. Um, so we met some really nice people there. Um, so as a parent, it was really important to me to expose our children to as much as possible of the power of God. They need to know that they serve a powerful father. And um, yeah, it, it was just amazing the privilege that our kids had to go to a school where God came to school. God pitched up at assembly. It was chaos at the school on an assembly morning, I'm telling you. I went there every assembly to just enjoy the worship and see how children were ministering to their, to their teachers. And the headmistress was in tears and two kids sitting next to her praying for her. That was just awesome. And they really had a sense of God's power on them and in them that they can help to make a difference in people's lives. Um, let me just see what else. So I, oh, the other thing about Holy Spirit that I really love is the power, the power stuff. You know how the word says that speaking in tongues is a powerful weapon. So once I went shopping in Gray Street in Durban. I don't know how many of you know Gray Street. Okay, that's a place where people like I don't normally go. But I like it. I love it. So there are all these little alleys, and you can't find a parking. So I have a special parking place that I book when I drive here. God, remember my parking, please. It needs to be open. It's within so many meters of the shop that I go to. And when I get there, it's open, and I park there. And um, I went with a friend who drove a really fancy big bucky, and the two of us um, went to the bead shop, and we bought some beads and stuff. And when we came back, I just realized something was wrong, and I sort of just checked over my shoulder, and there was these about five guys that were following us. And 
and I said to my friend, okay, we're not going to get into the car immediately. She said, why not? I said, just stand, let's just wait. And, she, and I said, don't, press, don't open your car, just hide your keys. We just look as if we're waiting for somebody else. And these guys were standing right behind us. They're going to hijack us. And I started out loud praying in tongues. And her eyes nearly popped out of her head. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. She said, I don't understand. It's, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to God. <laughs> and, um, and, and I sort of went on for a bit. And then when I look back, they're gone. How's that? <laughs> they just disappeared. And I said, okay, we're safe now. We can go. And she got into her. Check your car. I prayed. They left. Let's go home. God's big and good. And um, then another thing that over the years that I've, that I've realized is how powerful we are when we are aware of the danger that other people are in. Now, if I walk down the road in, in my area, um, I know I'm always safe because God's blood, is, Jesus' blood is covering me. I'm, I never pray for my own safety because God is my safety. Security is not the absence of crime, but the presence of God. It doesn't matter where you are, you can be so scared if, you don't, if you're not aware of the presence of God. Or you can be so safe wherever you are, whatever you do, because you believe in the presence of God. So I've realized over the years that um, wherever we go, and, and I have a feeling that mm, that person might have some plans to harm me, I start praying for that person's salvation and that God will interfere in his life now. That because people just become an instrument in the evil one's plans. Now, people are just going about trying to survive and they think, oh, that woman, yeah, let me grab her handbag or get her cell phone or whatever, this petty crime that we all sometimes get exposed to. But if we see people walking around and we need to pray for this, for their protection, I say, God, please don't let this guy hear that voice of the enemy that's telling him to attack somebody or to steal something. Protect him. Provide a job for him. Help him to get an education. Whatever. Protect that man. So because I, I want those people, that's where the power of God comes in us when we try and save other people's lives by pointing them in the direction of Jesus. And even if that person would pass me, I would look them in the eye, smile my biggest smile, and say, Hi, how are you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be afraid of me? No, I'm not afraid of anybody. So that's a good um, tip to all of you. You don't have to live in fear. Um, let me just quickly check. I think I've covered everything. Okay. Thank you so much. Is it on now? Jesus said, I will ask the Father, He will send you a helper just like me. It was. The disciples were discouraged because he said he's going to, he's going to go away. Um, the helper which is sent enables us to experience the presence of the Father every moment of every day of our lives. When I get up in the morning and I go to work, um, I see clients come in to see me and they've got a legal problem. And I ask every morning, ask the Spirit to show me the answer to the problem. So people think I'm, sometimes think I'm clever. I'm not. I ask the Spirit. If I'm in court, before I go to court, I ask, because it's a debate. It's a, between me and the judge who knows a lot more than me. 
I ask the Lord to give me the answer to the question that's going to be asked before the question is being asked. Because the Lord knows what's going to be asked. To anticipate that. And those are the kind of things which every day in your life you can ha ask the helper. He is not here simply to help us to speak in tongues. He's here to help us in each and every aspect of our lives. To give us wisdom, guidance, counsel, and so forth. And it's for free. So make use of it. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you, Father, that you sent the Holy Spirit so that we can experience your presence every moment of every day of our lives, and that we can get help and wisdom and guidance from you in each and every aspect of our lives. Amen. Amen. Folks, we want to just bless you. If you need to go, God bless you. We're going to close the service. But we want to just open up. Uh, Cousin Stella have touched on so many things, so many aspects that the helper helps us with. And I'm going to ask, I I'm sure they won't mind, Cousin Stella and maybe some of the leaders, we want to pray for any one of you that are saying, sure, Stella said this, Cass said this, I want prayer for that. Then I'm going to ask if you can just come forward and we'll pray for you. But God bless you. Go in the, in the strength and the anointing of the helper, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much.